Okay. Uh, let's start. What are we discussing today, my fellow citizen? So, hello. This is the IT show. Because we seem to forget to say what the show actually is named. But it's that IT show. Yes, that IT show. So, let's Actually, we should do something else. What? We should troll ourselves a little bit. Like, share, subscribe, become our Patreon member. The ins- uh, information is in the description of the video. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, do you feel old? Not today, but at times, yes. Do you think that you are way past your uh, prime? Mm, in many aspects, perhaps yes, but... I'm reserving my judgment and until I hear what are you talking about. Today, I'm trying to make a point of having and using old equipment. So you could be considered old equipment. Thank but you for that wonderful metaphor, but that sounds awfully autobiographic. Yes, I'm older than you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is that we seem to take for granted that the computers should be changed every couple of years. And we have talked about uh, graphic cards, we have talked about um, how uh, insanely uh, how insanely the pricing for the new hardware works. Mm -hmm. And today I wanted to start a little bit of uh, a little bit of chat about do we actually need to change the computers every couple of years? So, how old is old in the computer sense? Mm-hmm. How old is old when we are talking about mobile phones? How old is old when we are talking about servers? And what is the golden middle when we are talking about reusing old equipment or using old equipment? Okay, sounds good. So, let's start with a quick rain check. Uh, how many computers do you have right now? Your, your own personal computers. Are we talking laptops, piece, uh, like personal standalone computers. or everything? Personal computers. Okay. I have uh, four MacBooks, one Dell laptop that's five. I have two desktops that are my own, and I have another desktop in the office, so roughly ten. And what is the average, uh, uh, average age? age of the computers they have? I'd say three to four, maybe five years. Okay, so I have roughly, I would guess, around seven different uh, computers. I think I have a, a roughly older computers than you because I haven't bought the computers in the last two or three years. So I'm running basically, my newest version is uh, Intel uh, 11th generation. So I would guess that my average uh, age of the computer is somewhere around... But you also have a Ryzen computer at home as well. Yes, I have a Ryzen, but it's it's also, uh, I think, three years old now. Uh, okay, okay. So it's three, uh, 38,000, uh, 3800 uh, uh, X mm-hmm. Ryzen. So I'm trying to make a point. I don't feel any need to upgrade my computers. Mm-hmm. Graphic cards, yes. Computers, no. This PC that I'm using here is first generation of yoga so that's old yes this is old this is probably six or seven years old uh i bought it refurbished Mm -hmm. uh i got it for what is basically uh i would say a sixth of the price of the new one and Mm -hmm. i'm completely happy with with what is it it's able to do apart from the broken screen that you managed to do yes but the broken screen is my uh, my undoing so this is something that i did Mm-hmm. I was I was being sloppy, and the reason why I was being sloppy is because I wasn't paying too much attention to the to the existence of the actual uh, device, mm-hmm. because I'm right now uh, trying to make a big point. People tend to buy exp- uh, expensive equipment, and then they feel like they have to treat it like something expensive. Okay. I te- I tend to think that equipment is tools. Agreed. I'm going to make sure that they work all the time. Every time I'm going to change the screens, I'm going to change the batteries and everything else. But I don't see the point of upgrading just because of the upgrading. Okay. I completely agree with you. And that comes with, I think that your intro about being old actually is a big part of it. Because uh, 
when we were younger, when we were still doing our IT editing, journalistic thingy, we were way different than I think. We had to be cool as guys in the office and get a little bit newer components, etc. And we wanted to share that with our colleagues as well. At least I did. But that was another time and a different era. Nowadays, I have to say, uh, uh, actually, to confirm your point, the last year was the first time that I bought a desktop computer in probably 15 years. I actually didn't buy a whole computer for the last, I would guess, seven or eight years. I'm usually just partially upgrading. So I'm basically... Uh, Rip and replace. The I'm basically replacing a motherboard together with the CPU and the memory if I need to. I haven't replaced any of the cases that I have for the last 10 years or so. Me neither. Uh, I replaced my power supplies when I had to because I didn't have enough power uh, to power the graphic cards that I had. I'm always probably two or three generations of graphic cards behind the current uh, biggest and greatest versions. While having access to the newer ones? Just because I don't care about 120 uh, FPS in Word. Mm -hmm. So uh, my killer applications are the ones that are using a lot of memory. So I have a lot of memory in my computers. Mm -hmm. But... Having said that, uh, even having a lot of memory in the computers is easier when you're dealing with older computers because the memory is cheaper. So Absolutely agreed. So uh, when I'm thinking about uh, buying a computer, what I do usually is I buy refurbished computers, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to uh, laptops or tablets. I tend to buy uh, refurbished computers that are easily upgradable and then... I upgrade them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I usually have my laptops uh, and on either 32 or 64 gigs of RAM, which I probably wouldn't buy by any means uh, if I bought if it new. A new one, yeah. Be- too, too expensive. It would be too expensive. And uh, I tend to buy uh, computers that I would ad- uh, otherwise never buy. So, for example, I have a P50 uh, ThinkPad that was something like 4,000 euros new. And I got it for basically ra- roughly a eight of the eight of the price. Okay, I, I uh, we use the same supplier for some of those machines. I have a couple of those uh, Lenovo's as well. I bought them used too, uh, and yeah, I completely agree with you. To your point, actually, I wanted to add something. Um, my Dell laptop. You know what I did with that laptop some week and a half ago? You gave up on it. Yeah, I should have a long time ago, but no, I, I did something to it, uh, which uh, finally brought that device up to up to stuff in terms of actually working properly. Because the, I have a Dell XPS 9570. I've had it for the past three years or so. It was insanely expensive new. It was MacBook Pro range pricing. Yes, they all, they all are. Yeah. Uh, and I was seriously considering buying a new laptop, and I was actually browsing through Amazon and thinking about buying a new one. And I decided, oh, hell no. And I bought uh, for that laptop the only component that never worked properly, which is its battery. Okay. From day one, it was constantly doing some weird st- weird things. Like I fill it up to the brinks. Uh, I uh, switch from high performance mode to, let's say, lo- uh, b- l- l- like longest battery life mode when I disconnect the adapter. And five minutes later, it will tell me that it's empty. Stuff like that. It happened from day one. And I have multiple stories like that from various people who had them. I replaced the battery. Now it works for six, seven hours, no problem, which is uh, six or seven hours of my work. It, it can do way more if you're a normal user. So, yeah, I agree with you. So refurbishing parts of the of your computers makes a lot of sense last year i bought myself a 13 gen uh, i9 so with uh, with the you know the, the most expensive motherboard and cpu and whatnot not for water cooling or stuff the reason being that uh, i got uh, involved in a lot of projects that require a hell of a lot of video editing this is actually not related to our podcast at all and for me, the older, uh, older platform that I had, which was given to me kindly by uh, good people at a gigabyte years ago, was uh, kind of like showing its age. And uh, the new platform does video editing and montage like 10 to, 10 to 15 times faster. Okay, okay. I get it. Uh, as we said, I get it 
when we are talking about the tools. It's, it's you, ex exactly that. It's a utility tool. Yes, you need, what you, need a, you need a particular configuration for a particular uh, job, yeah. job that you need to be done, I wouldn't say faster, but you need to uh, need it to be done uh, in a way that you feel comfortable with. Uh, let's quickly talk about the numbers because uh, I was preparing this. I'm writing something about uh, the uh, refurbished hardware. And what actually uh, amazed me is that when we are talking about the refurbished hardware market, mm -hmm. we are talking about the market that is probably right now somewhere around eight to nine billion dollars in value when we are talking about uh, buying and uh, repurposing hardware that was already used. Mm -hmm. So everything is covered in this, uh, a lot of desktops, uh, a lot of servers, because mm -hmm. servers are a special a thing that you are going to probably uh, yeah. talk a little bit more about. Uh, but refurbished market is becoming a thing and it is going to double in the next, probably, it is going to double in the next uh, seven, seven, to, seven to eight years. They, they, they said that they're going to uh, hit $20 billion uh, as a market value of refurbished hardware in, in probably in the, the next 10 years. Because the idea is that uh, computers that we are using today and computers that are sold today mm -hmm. are basically good enough for everything. Agreed. And for the most people, uh, top uh, top devices, so uh, high-end computing, uh, high-end uh, the the, high, uh, the large amount of memory, uh, large SSDs, and so on, is going to be something that is going to be used for the next seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, and what is going to happen is that uh, this market is dependent on people who are uh, trying to sell your PC. Uh, doing the units, so they are trying to uh, sell as many units as possible, mm -hmm. so they're saturating the market, mm -hmm. and at the same time, people don't need to upgrade. Yes. So, when they do upgrade, the only reason why they're upgrading is because they need a newer tool or need, need a newer uh, device, mm -hmm. but the problem that is happening with all of this is that uh, a lot of hardware is getting uh, back to the market and being reused. I would just, now, right now, what I would say is that what is happening with the computers is mm. the same thing that is happening basically with the audio equipment. Uh, because this... You mean hi-fi? Or do you mean... No, let, let's talk about this mic. Okay. This mic hasn't changed for the last, what? Five, five, six, seven years since it came out or whatever it is. I, I would guess uh, more than 10 years. Okay. For this model. Nothing has changed. So if you buy a, a mic new... Or if you buy it refurbished, if it wasn't broken in any way, mm -hmm. it is going to basically behave exactly the same. Okay. Uh, there is nothing performance-wise this mic can do better or worse. You can buy a, a better mic. Yeah. You, you can bu buy a better uh, mic for a different purpose. But as such, this mic is not going to change. Okay, agreed. So the same thing is happening with the with, uh, refurbished devices. And... I'm trying to say that the biggest thing that we need to think about now is not only the part of being green, so uh, reusing the computers because we want to be good to the uh, to the environment. That's a big topic, yes. But also being actually uh, normal and being people who understand that we don't need this amount of power. If you are if your uh, uh, applications that you are using every day are Okay, let's not talk about Chrome because Chrome is going to be uh, happy <laughs> on all the all the other computers. But if you are using a browser, if you are using a word processor, if you are using something like Excel or whatever uh, program for the calculations, something to watch videos and play some MP3s or whatnot. Yes, yeah. you are basically okay with everything that came out in the last five, eight, five, eight, six, eight seven years. years. Yeah. So you don't need new devices. Agreed. The only reason why you would uh, buy a new device would be uh, if you break something. Mm -hmm. For instance, I broke my screen. Okay, my screen is not broken in such a way that uh, it makes any an, any uh, functional difference. A functional difference to me yeah. because it's, it's broken a little bit. But the insane thing is that uh, this is the only reason why I would change this uh, laptop. I have another one, and I'm going to just let me make another point. And the main reason is that. The screen itself, 
for this laptop is right now more expensive as a spare part yeah. than the entire laptop bought refurbished. Yeah. So I checked. I can buy this laptop in this uh, condition for something around 300 euros. Mm -hmm. New screen is something around 400 euros. Yeah. So we need to rethink what we are dealing with in the, when the, it comes to hardware. Okay. And I'm just going to put one more mm -hmm. topic on the floor, on the table. And I'm going to say, let's talk about not only refurbishing, let's talk about repairing. So mm -hmm. right to repair. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, big yeah. topic. Yes. I, I would just like to add something to the story. I have one more potential reason why, like it's not going to be an awful lot of people, but it's still going to be quite a few people would change that, uh, your laptop. Uh, for example, connectivity and USB. Okay, because this laptop it probably only has USB 3.0, which okay. is let's let's be kind and say slow to uh, when compared to some of the newer revisions of USB that came out, and don't get me started on Thunderbolt or USB 4, for example. So that would be a reason for a lot of people that I know to switch, including myself. But that being said, it uh, I, I'm kind of like sensing what you're going to say to that partially uh, is that. Uh, you you have a device that fits a certain purpose. It's not like I'm going to um, like transfer 100 gigabytes of I don't know what data to this device. So probably I don't need it. Yes, I get that, but I am much more utilitarian about my laptops than you are, uh, and I like to have uh, options available on all of my laptops so that I can do mostly like all of the things on either one of them, exception being the the platform differences. As I mentioned previously, you know, Macs, all about the audio and video, stuff like that. But all of them have the capability to do the same things. And my PCs do the same. I have, like, two types of laptops that I use. One of them's, one of that type is for Red Hat exams, and they're good enough for that, and I don't use them for anything else. Everything else that I have on the PC market has to have, you know, the latest Thunderbolt or USB or whatnot, because I need that for some of the stuff that I do. Okay, but uh, let's talk about this this particular laptop. If I don't do video editing on it, mm -hmm. uh, by extension, e you e don't need anything way, that I said. Either way, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, do video editing on this because uh, the SSD in it is too small. Mm -hmm. I need to change the uh, SSD, and then it comes it becomes a problem when it, you need to change a lot of things inside the laptop. But mm. the keyboard is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The keyboard is probably better than most of the laptops out there. Mm -hmm. So if I use this as a device for inputting text, editing text, creating documents and so on, yeah. and this is the main reason why this device exists, I don't want to uh, upgrade. Agreed. Because we have come to a point where uh, the same thing happens uh, as with the car market. It's mm. normal to have a device for, uh, as it is uh, in the car market, you uh, should have, or they are uh, saying that you should have a bigger car when you need to drive uh, longer routes, <laughs> you should have a medium car when you need to go with your family, you should have a smaller electric car when you go uh, just to the city Shops by yourself and so on. Yeah. So we have come to a point where my devices are different, I have many of those, mm -hmm. And they serve different purposes. Mm -hmm. So I want this device to be as small as possible, as light as possible, so that I can carry it in my backpack. With battery that lasts With as long as possible. With battery that lasts as long as possible. So uh, something like 17 hours uh, battery life that Mac Pro has, uh, Mac MacBook has. I'm talking about Mac Air. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about ARM chipsets uh, that are much, 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 much more, uh, much more uh, usable in this kind of uh, context. Yeah. context. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I want to have a workstation. Mm -hmm. I want to have a Thunderbolt, whatever. I want to have as many USB connectors as possible. I want to have internally as many bases as possible for the SSDs and NVMEs. Mm -hmm. And I need a different uh, set of uh, skills on this laptop, so different sets of, a set of um, uh, specs on this laptop, because this laptop is going to do something else. Mm -hmm. But when I'm leaving the home in the morning, I know, probably know what I'm going to do in the, in the day. Mm -hmm. So if I have two or three laptops, I can choose that uh, the laptop is going to be the daily driver. That's good. And my main 
uh, right now my main gripe with everything that we, uh, we are talking about is that it's prohibitively hard to uh, synchronize your work across the devices. Okay, unless you buy some kind of a cloud something something. But even then, okay. even, even then because uh, Apple is doing much better job in synchronizing uh, applications, synchronizing settings, and trying to uh, create your environment, uh, m- I would say movable. Movable is not a good word, but uh, portable, okay, between port- portable, por- portable between devices so that you can actually grab any device and continue working. Mm-hmm. Windows sucks at it, basically. It doesn't, but it's a little bit more finicky, yes. Yes, you need to use the Microsoft Store. The store is half-baked. Uh, OneDrive is so-so when you use it. For you, yeah. You have special experiences with OneDrive not to be discussed today because I could tell years of stories about that. Not working for you, working perfectly for everybody else around you. I would just say that uh, both you and me uh, are special cases because we are almost always on the edge. We have private drives, private uh, cloud providers. Then we have official uh, mail addresses for whatever client we are working for or a different private address. So we are using three, four, five, six instances of a device or a cloud service mm-hmm. uh, when a normal person would only have one, mm-hmm. even Correct. even maybe zero. So uh, OneDrive doesn't work for me or it works on and off for me simply because I need to have at least three instances for different purposes that serve me. Can I, can I add something to that? Yes. It started playing mind games with me as well, as well a couple of days ago. It's not playing mind games. It's, it's just not working. Uh, well, for me, it's been working perfectly almost all the time since I started using it. Uh, you had different experiences, which I appreciate. We are talking about a, per, a personal uh, OneDrive both or one, the business? Both personal and, and for business. doesn't really matter. Um, but I stopped using the, the personal one, and this is a part of our pre- one of our previous discussions, when it expired on my phone, we, because I, I had a I don't know, 20 gig or something, OneDrive a subscription, uh, which was a personal OneDrive for two years, and then it expired. They wanted me to pay for it. I said, nah. Yes, the, the, the paying part is uh, part of the process. But the pro- my problem that I have with uh, OneDrive, especially OneDrive, mm-hmm. is that basically when it fails, it fails silently. Uh, for me, it just stops syncing. And that's... Something multiple times yes and this mm-hmm. is something that is be, uh, that is basically annoying i don't i don't hate the device i don't hate the drive i just say okay if i have to make a conscious decision every time when i'm looking for a file when i need to make a conscious uh, conscious uh, effort effort to, to try, to, try to check if the file actually exists or if the file wasn't synced I have a problem with this. Uh, That's ag- exactly the the reason why I implemented that uh, Synology cloud drive because that works perfectly for all of us. I'm I'm completely I'm completely fine with Dropbox. Yeah. But uh, wh- whatever we are talking about, there is a solution. Mm-hmm. But the solution is not as elegant as it could be. Correct. Uh, on the other hand, the number of devices that the person is going to uh, own in the next couple of years mm-hmm. is probably going to double or triple. Because people are not buy, are not uh, selling their old uh, laptops, they are yeah. uh, they are uh, giving them away to the, their kids. Businesses to are selling them, but not private persons. But even when businesses are selling them, they are selling them to the, their employees. So I know for a fact. I know there are a couple of guys uh, today here in Zagreb that were working for the I wouldn't say who, but uh, for a company for the last I don't know seven or six, uh, seven or eight years, and they got a new or used laptop every two or three years, and they were able to buy their own laptop for, mm. uh, I would say, uh, it, it isn't a, uh, basically a pennies. Yeah, that's okay. Let's say 30 euros. Mm-hmm. And so they kept all of the older laptops uh, at home. Because it made financial sense to them at, yes. and it was and, convenient. And now they don't want to sell them. Mm-hmm. So they are now stuck mm. with three or four devices, even though they have no idea why would they have uh, three or four devices. Because... We are pretending that we need them. They are not even pretending. Okay. Uh, you mentioned one topic that I, uh, both of us feel very passionately about, but maybe for a set of different reasons, which might be, uh, let's say, uh, kind of like when you combine our, our, our thoughts about that all together, you get the full picture of 
something that annoys the hell out of us and has been doing it for, for m- multiple years. Basically, in the previous episode, we discussed uh, mobile phones, uh, Android versus uh, iOS, and I mentioned that one of the reasons why I really disliked iPhone from the get-go was the integrated battery. But it's a larger story than that. The largest uh, part of the story than that is the fact that that, di- uh, that kind of disabled the capability for us to change the battery, which is the basic concept of right to repair to exchange something for something. I had that gripe with actually with IT for longer period of time before that. You probably did as well. Because upgradability on the, for example, on the desktop was always, depending on the era of IT, it was a couple of generations or something like that. And lately Intel and AMD have been doing a little bit more of an effort to kind of like make it easier for us in terms of socket compatibility with new CPU, whatnot, depending on the generation, not getting into the discussion. But for example, laptops were always, almost always different. I can remember uh, a time when I was able to uh, uh, switch a CPU on a laptop. I can remember it vividly because I yes. did that for a couple of uh, couple of our friends when we used to do our previous jobs. And it was always fun for me to do something like that because um, I could get basically a CPU off of eBay for mobile uh, for a mobile computer and go from two to four cores and have much more performance. But I think that the biggest problem that I have with the right to repair is not changing the CPU. No, this is just one small snippet of yes, a story. Yes, yes, but this is this is uh, fine because you touched the part of the story that is basically uh, what everybody is talking about. So you need to be able to change the CPU. My problem is that I want to be able to change the things that actually break. I want to be able to change the screen. I want to be keyboard. able to change the keyboard. I want to be able to change the battery. I want to be able to change the uh, fingerprint reader. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to, and Apple is notorious for this, uh, yes. uh, you cannot change some parts of the phone or some parts of the tablet just simply because Apple explicitly disabled it. They didn't only uh, make uh, the life of the uh, repair people uh, complicated by not giving them the uh, diagrams. The necessary spare parts or what? No, the, the diagrams. Mm-hmm. They also created uh, things that cannot be changed. Mm-hmm. So you cannot change a fingerprint reader because the fingerprint reader itself is coded so that it only works on a, on a particular phone. No, on, on, on Apple uh, laptops, there was a huge outrage a couple of years ago because of the encryption chip where for, uh, it was to blame for the fact that you couldn't change an SSD okay. as well. That was a huge outrage, which is completely on point. Because uh, when we are talking about uh, uh, trying to fix motherboards, I would say that, that I am not too concerned about uh, repairing motherboards. What Apple is doing and what is a big problem is that Apple has created uh, different parts for their motherboards that are completely unobtainable for normal people. Yeah, they are putting barriers in front of... So basically uh, they have created an entire system that makes a $2,000 laptop unusable Unless you send it to them and they charge you a premium point for that. Or they just exchange the laptop, so they're creating another another uh, big pile of uh, old hardware. Mm-hmm. Instead of you just changing a chip that probably costs a dollar, two, three, ten. Mm-hmm. So something that should be, ch- uh, should be repairable. So we are talking about different things. We are talking about, from one, po- one point is that we need to be able to change the normal spare parts, so... For me, a screen is a spare part. Yep, keyboard as well, battery. They're re- they should be replaceable. They should parts. be replaceable. They should be even replaceable, uh, replaceable uh, uh, at home. Mm-hmm. You sh- there is no reason why you shouldn't be able to pop out your pop out, pop out your screen and change it for a new one, because it shouldn't be a part that requires servicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can create a connector. There, there were different, uh, there were different uh, attempts. attempts to do mm-hmm. it. So modular phones, modular uh, laptops, modular tablets, and so on. But it can be done. Yes. The only reason why it isn't done is just simply because the manufacturers are trying to push the units. They yep. want to sell the entire units, and this is something that bothers me. Okay. To to your point, actually, I wanted to sh- share a short story with you related to MacBook. 
the first MacBook that I bought for myself was a model which had a replaceable battery. Okay, I used it for years, then uh, the battery broke after, let's say, four or five years. I bought a new one, everything was fine, and that uh, that laptop actually still still works to this very day, and it's probably 15, year, 15 years old now. I, I know person. I sold it to a friend of mine, and he's, he's still actively using it. The next MacBook that I bought after that was uh, for my partner, and she has been using it ever since. And it's the first model with the integrated battery, which is replaceable if you know how to open a MacBook, for which you need specialist tools, right to repair, strikes again. And then you need to get the battery, which is not exactly very easy because Apple doesn't necessarily sell that as a spare part, which uh, luckily on eBay I was able to do twice. And one of those batteries also did the pop thing, thing you know. Uh, let's not get into that. It was nasty and ugly. And as a, a result of that battery, you know, growing in proportions, let's call it that way, it also broke the mouse, the mouse pad on the, on the laptop. My point is this. One of the most infuriating moments of my life uh, when it comes to laptop, especially with, when it comes to Apple, and I commended them for their laptops in the last episode, and I stand by that. But one of my most infuriating moments in my life when, was when they switched to integrated batteries. It made me go completely berserk. But I would say, I would say that when we are talking about laptops, I would say that uh, Apple has one thing coming for them. Uh, I would say that their laptops are still probably one of the best laptops around. Agreed, and their batteries are among the best ones as and, well. But uh, as a whole, I think that ThinkPads and uh, Apple devices, when we are talking about laptops, are probably the least uh, uh, at least resold devices there are. Because mm -hmm. I, okay. don't, I don't want to... All the devices that they got refurbished, mm -hmm. all the ThinkPads that they got refurbished were from the companies yeah, they, they weren't refurbished yeah. they weren't repurposed uh, re or resold by people who bought them mm -hmm. it was the companies and the companies just have the company policy of just replacing every three replacing years or everything yeah. after, after three years or two years or whatever so usually people don't sell apple uh, laptops and apple laptops tend to last a long time yes and you cannot buy a uh, new uh, or refurbished apple laptops for cheap mm -hmm. just because Companies are not buying them uh, as much mm -hmm. in Europe. Mm -hmm. In the United States, it's a different story. But in Europe, companies don't buy as much uh, as, many, yeah. as, yeah, as, yeah. Ma as, as many laptops. So you would get either ThinkPads or something like this in Europe mm -hmm. for cheap just because the companies are buying them. Yeah. But I want to make a point because the phones are different. Correct. When it comes to Apple phones, you are going to get a lot of cheap refurbished phones that are completely functional. Mm -hmm. You can even buy, I just checked today, you can buy a refurbished phone that is four years old and comes with a three-year warranty mm -hmm. on the four-year-old phone. Yeah. Because the company that is selling it to you is able to say, okay, this phone is going to function for the next three years, so in total for seven years, mm -hmm. because they think that Apple has done a good job. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, people who buy uh, Apple phones tend to buy newer model every day when the model comes, uh, comes to the market. So there is a big difference between uh, tablets and uh, laptops in one and uh, iPhones and phones themselves in another part of the market. Mm -hmm. So the cycle of uh, recycling is different. Refurbishing, but yes. yeah, as so, a result of the recycling. Too. Let's now let's now just switch to servers because I want to I want to make a point of one other thing. When we are talking about iPhones, when we are talking about tablets, when we are talking about the uh, uh, laptops as such, I would say desktops, but desktops are not part of the recycling thing. Uh, we are usually talking about slower or faster ones. When you are talking about servers there comes a point when the power or the amount of uh, electricity required to do a certain task uh, begins to make a play in all of this. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it uh, makes sense sometimes to actually uh, get rid of all servers 
simply because they are wasting too much uh, power. That's excellent point. Okay. Let me take this one way because this is something that I I tend to do much more than you and it's not only that uh, uh, that it's a part of some of the PhD things that I do it's also related to something uh, s- some some processes that I've been involved with for the company that I that both of us work for as well so we made a conscious effort in the past it started some 7 years ago to buy refurbished servers so that we can install them in our environment and as as a result of that we were able to improve the the way in which we do classes by immeasurable amount because we can run virtual machines for our students, they can always connect, we have VPN, they can connect at Saturday at 3 a.m. if they want to, which they do at times the practice. Now we have exams, so they are happy with the ability to, to do stuff, etc. All of that comes from the, stems from the fact that we made a conscious decision to buy second-hand servers, refurbished servers from some of our trusted dealers. And there are really like four or five of them in Europe that I know of that are really good. But to your point, when you are designing a data center, that's one process. When you are designing data center refresh, nowadays, and uh, I've read a heck of a lot of materials about this, and if you go to, for example, ESF funds and other websites related to EU funds uh, for scientific research, you're going to see that they offer a heck of a lot of money for any kind of green energy research-based project, not only in terms of how to create energy in a great way. It's also about conserving energy, doing something in terms of recycling of energy, whatnot. They're pouring a lot of money into this, which is completely logical and a good way of thinking. But my point is this. When you're doing a hardware refresh on a data center level, generally speaking, you're doing uh, one thing or the other. The first one is that for the same power envelope, whichever it is, let's say 10 megawatts. If that means that you, uh, you can fit 10,000 servers in your 10 megawatt um, uh, power envelope uh, as a current thing, so that's what you're starting from, you can either go uh, in one direction, which is I want to buy new servers that fit in that envelope, which are going to be significantly faster if there are two or more generations apart, or you can say, I want to design the environment that has the same level of performance with new hardware, which is going to be, uh, which is going to mean in practical terms, a significant drop in the power envelope. So those are two opposite ways of designing okay, but, uh, the let, refreshes. Let, let, let me just interrupt you for a, for a second. Because people do both of these things. Yes, yes, I know. But uh, since we are trying to make this thing as uh, widely understood as possible, we need to talk about the power envelopes because yes. people don't understand what it means. Uh, when you are at home, your PC is drawing something like probably between 150 to 200 watts. On average, uh, on most, average of the time, yes. most of the time. Uh, some PCs or uh, most of the laptops are going even uh, lower than that. Correct. So you are not concerned about the power. When it comes to data centers, you are... Uh, using the power to power the data center, so you're powering the servers, but you're also using the power to cool the data center, mm-hmm. and you are using the power to actually make all of these things work. So you need the power for the networking, for the switches, different switches, storage, and so, storage and so yes. on and so on and so on. So please try to explain uh, which part of this needs to be changed, and also, we need to try to explain to people why would a data center uh, throw away a perfectly working switch after five, five years, uh, basically to change it for the switch of the same speed, same power requirement, just to have new newer hardware. Why is there a secondary market for the switches that makes them basically so cheap that you can buy uh, enterprise-grade switch for the, uh, for the amount of money that you would buy a cheap plastic switch on the, uh, that is new. Okay, let's focus on the switches for a second. We are talking about both network switches and storage switches like fiber channel, whatever. One of the most significant reasons why there's a secondary market for these devices uh, that has boomed in the past, let's say 10 years or so, roughly, is the fact that the 
not not the device manufacturers. It's actually standardization bodies have done a, such of a appallingly bad job at introducing new standards. Here's looking at your fiber channel. Uh, that they've spent most of most of the time, I don't know, doing what, you know, drinking champagne, having a cigar, uh, doing nothing, instead of uh, making technology progress. Fiber Channel is just an, a fantastic example of that. And while they were doing that on Fiber Channel, Ethernet went way ahead in terms of bandwidth. You cannot directly compare those two things, uh, although both of them are usable for storage because Fiber Channel is so much more efficient for that. But at the same time, there, there's a reason, there is a fundamentally sound reason why a lot of people have switched from FC to Ethernet-based devices, and nowadays there are more devices that are direct memory access, Roki, RDMA, etc. This, this is the new world that we are talking about. And only after that, and after the introduction of some uh, nowadays very popular, uh, let's say, storage-as-a-service type of software, Finally, they kind of like get to grips with the reality, the uh, fiber channel governing body, and they introduced some kind of a new standard, which was a couple of years ago after 10 years of sleep. <clears throat> this is completely comparable to something super simple like hardware rate adapters. Same thing happened there on that market. They thought 10 plus years ago that they were the king of the hill, stopped investing uh, as much money in development, and as a result of that, Hardware rate adapters uh, off. In the, uh, if you look at the past ten years and uh, and let's say deduct the last three or four, so for the first six or seven years out of that period, there was no progress on the hardware rate market at all. And if you had, let's say, six or twelve or sixteen or eighteen or twenty-four SSDs connected to a hardware rate controller, you got you had very lousy speed because they couldn't handle it. It was only in the last two generations of the RAID controllers where they made that better. But that was way too late because uh, the uh, software as a service thingies that I talked about, vSAN and similar things, are not using hardware RAID at all. If it was up to me, I would say that hardware RAID needs to be banished to the like relics of the past and never, never to be used again. And there's a reason for that. Uh, but that's a completely different topic of discussion. In networking side, the reason is completely the opposite, because so many new standards got introduced in the past couple of years. Uh, so 25G, 50G, 40G, 100G, 400G, etc., that manufacturers are really uh, pushing the envelope in terms of introducing new products. But as a result of that, the market is heavily accepting uh, those, uh, let's say, enterprise class devices, the, the fastest one, etc., because that offers a, a chance for them to kind of like buy into the future in a sense, while at the same time providing long-lasting services, especially cloud providers, this is the, the key market, of course, for their customers that need more bandwidth and more bandwidth and more bandwidth and more bandwidth and more bandwidth. Hence the reason why we can so cheaply buy, for example, Arista switches, 10G, 40G, 25G, etc., in a secondary market, which are exceptionally good switches and there are others as well not only arista um, for our environments for ridiculously low amount of money okay but uh i'm let me make a counterpoint uh okay ethernet devices are getting uh much quicker yes it's okay but a lot of times i see data centers switching 10g net uh, networking equipment for 10g networking equipment yes just because the warranty is expired yes uh, and this it's is a risk. Yes, because it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a risk assessment thing. It's yeah. not. It's not something that is done because the equipment doesn't work. Correct. And you, then you can come uh, to a point where you can buy Cisco equipment or Arista switches or Juniper switches. Extreme HP, uh, whatever. The, I've yeah. seen. I've seen prices that actually uh, made no sense. I got a Cisco switch when I was buying something. I got a Cisco switch as a side unit basically it was a gift mm -hmm. uh, i was buying something else i was buy buying a chassis for this uh, for the server and they said okay we are going to uh, give you a cisco switch because we have plenty of those so you can test it out mm -hmm. so the price was something loud, like 50 euros or something for something that actually uh, the original uh, retail price for this switch was 3000 euros or so is so, it just a gigabit switch or is it faster than that 
it was I think it was uh, 3650 so it was basically gigabit. basically there's gigabit. a reason for that yes I know but 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 there's a technical reason why not only risk because gigabit switches can be used for management networks etc and for that purpose they're perfect yes but when I have my own home network being able to have an enterprise level switch mm -hmm. that I can I can control mm -hmm. I can have monitoring on I can have a complete configuration on VLANs actually work unlike some some other cheap uh, plastic whatnots I'm not I'm not going to say any words uh, about those so uh, this is something that is amazing for me as a, uh, as an end consumer yeah but you are the exception there yes oh, of course of course but uh, network equipment is different network equipment can be bought and it works and if you're fine with 10g's you can now buy exceptionally cheap 10g equipment correct you are not going to go into 40g or uh, 400g because you basically don't have uh, devices available for the whole market that are able to uh, go even near those speeds mm -hmm. because you don't have the storage devices for those but you don't have the money to buy the storage devices for those that's what you wanted to say so, yes you're so, correct so you are unable to go uh, to find the second hand market for the refurbished devices for, for the storage mm -hmm. this is one thing and the other thing is that with all of these things uh, what we are talking about so with all the, the things about the refurbished market the only thing that i wouldn't buy refurbished mm -hmm. is the, are the discs so I buy them in bulk, a lot of them, and I get we get your reasoning, but I disagree. It depends on the it depends on the usage scenario. Enterprise discs only. If you are if you are able to, uh, because when we are talking about uh, now, when you're talking about data centers, mm -hmm. if you use any of the, I would say normal, enterprise level virtualization uh, environments. Uh, they are basically de the designed so the hardware is going to break. So you are able to, <clears throat> if you buy in bulk your uh, disks, if you are not so uh, scared about uh, having to change the disks every day, basically, when it comes to thousands of disks, it mm -hmm. can't be changing the yeah. uh, failed disks every day. Because if you are dealing with, I don't know, 2,000 disks uh, and all of those are refurbished, mm -hmm. You are going to going going to have failures every day, yes. but this shouldn't become a problem because the device itself is designed in such a way that it you, can you handle don't care. That. You, you don't care. There's actually extension to that because the discs that I buy, I'm not putting them in storage devices. I'm not that insane. I'm just using them to boot RAID one based OS disk. That's it. But okay, but uh, when we are dealing with something like a test environment. You can tolerate uh, having a disk, a disk that is going to fail, and then you change it. Yeah, uh, you, you don't care necessarily. Storage device is going to be slower, but since you are just testing something, you won't notice that the storage device is thirty percent slower. Yeah, so, that's good. So this is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But we are we have come to a point when you can actually use uh, the refurbished devices for the production environment, and you can use them in such a way that people actually don't notice the difference. We have here uh, just for the uh, for the context of the story. Here in our company, we had uh, up to recently we had forty-five or so uh, server-based environment that we used for uh, education with our students, and recently we replaced them with uh, uh, five or six uh, newer gen servers which had much more cpu power quad uh, cpus versus uh, two cpu servers much more memory etc but all, all all of those were refurbished we are very happy with them and there is no way in hell i would go and buy a new server having in mind the prices which have gone through the roof that's first problem and the second problem which i think should be put on the table as well is the availability Yes, uh, they are unavailable. If you want to wait for a year, yes, but I'm not. The problem with the servers, I think, the biggest problem right now is that they are almost exclusively built to order, and the backlog is Enormous. at least seven, at least seven or eight months, but it can be up to two years. So I have seen people actually buying a server with a lead time of two years, which, from my point of view. And you may uh, say that I'm 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 I'm, I'm not understanding things uh, correctly, but this doesn't make sense. No, uh, I wouldn't buy any piece of IT equipment uh, 
based on the price that I pay now, for this equipment to be delivered in two, uh, two years. Yeah, there are more than a few reasons why you would never depreciation do that. Depreciation of the money itself, it's going to be, uh, the depreciation, yeah. it, it, it's just insane. It is. So, uh, I have seen uh, different network equipment uh, being delivered in this way. I have seen switches being delivered in this way. Oh, even yes. Even the prices of the refurbished equipment has gone uh, through the Way roof, up. Way yes. up, because you were able to buy... I, I knew uh, I was doing a small uh, I was doing a small environment small environment uh, something around 200 uh, network ports were on gigabit uh, and one core switch that was 10g uh, to connect all of those ports together and I think that the price for all of this was including shipping to Croatia it was something like thousand and two hundred euros or so mm, yeah now I cannot get this amount of uh, uh, this amount of ports mm -hmm. so let's compare specifications not the devices themselves under two thousand euros yeah so the price basically uh, doubled but still two thousand euros is insanely uh, cheap when it comes to enterprise level switches that are going to work that have redundant power supplies that are completely manageable and uh, the uh, most important thing of all, have documentation. Mm -hmm. They are not cheap, um, basically cheap uh, devices that you are unable to configure because somebody forgets to do something in the firmware. There's one other thing to, uh, one other point to be made, which uh, is something that you are only going to become aware after doing these things for an, uh, a longer period of time, which is always good to share with, with our viewers. I think it's a valuable piece of information as well to, to talk about. Uh, we almost exclusively use HP servers here. It's not for branding or for promotion purposes, we just are. Um, Gen 8, Gen 9 servers that we have here. So our student environment is Gen 8. Our production environment is Gen 9 based. Recently, HP announced Gen 11. And they had Gen 10 and Gen 10 Plus in between. Gen 8s are handling right now in our environment those five 560 servers that we have. They're handling 2,000 VMs per semester. I would go. I would go. To, I think it, they're handling even more. Yeah. I think that you have hit uh, 3,000 uh, VMs. I'm, I'm talking about on average. Yes. Because okay. in one semester we have more. In in the sec in the other semester we have a little bit less. Average 2,000 something. Let's say lower 2,000 numbers but i would never ever in a thousand years do that to a production environment although we were forced to buy a couple of refurbished server for it because they were just unavailable but now we are also buying some new ones we just spec'd a couple of them as a part of one of the projects so for the production uh, environment of the overall company that's a different story uh, and I'm not saying that uh, using VMs for education for students is not production environments. There's a larger point to be made here, which is for us, Gen 8 Plus servers never break. They never break. I, I have 50 of them here. None of them ever broke down. The only thing that ever broke on any one of those servers was memory. Okay, I agree. And it's ECC RAM, so I don't care. Up till the next, let's say, a uh, little bit of a... Uh, cleaning up cycle which happens between the semesters etc if uh, 16 gigab uh, gigabyte kit fails i don't care but uh, this is this is another thing that you need to you need to uh, let's say that we are going to do it in one of the other episodes or the future episodes and this is to try to explain to uh, people that you and i uh, view the production environments as completely different things because it's not the same thing if you are able to do a production environment which requires, I don't know, 4,000 machines that are basically replaceable. Yes. You can uh, wipe down the entire student environment that is production from the yes, student for point, them, yeah. uh, from, from them, it's production, and it, it needs to work. Mm -hmm. But if everything fails, you can redeploy it in a, probably under a day. I uh, can redeploy it not in under a day, I can deploy it in an afternoon. Okay, so you can uh, redeploy it in under a day. So your return to, uh, return, obje uh, return objective uh, is basically, I, I would say... In like hours. In hours. Literally, yes. Yes, and you don't need to do backups. Yes. Because you don't do backups because there is, there is no data that needs to be stored. 
No, just uh, the centralized services, so DCs and V-Center so or something. So basically, the configuration. Yeah. Yes. So the configuration can be stored basically on USB. Correct. And, and it depends, uh, this kind of environment is, is completely different than, let's say, a production environment that, that holds, I don't know. Financial uh, data. Fi fin of, yeah. No, no, financial data is also, also okay because it's small. Mm -hmm. But let's say video documents, uh, let's say uh, audio, let's say uh, images, let's say uh, GIS data. Mm -hmm. So things that are both large in size. And require and throughput. And uh, require throughput and are irreplaceable. So you need to actually backup them. Mm -hmm. And then the requirement is different. It is. So a refurbished requirement, a refurbished, uh, refurbished equipment is something that I would use for something like this. If I lose this uh, laptop or, or it breaks. You're not going to lose any sleep on that. Basically, everything is going to be on my uh, Dropbox drive or whatever. I'm going to be needing to reinstall. If the disk breaks, it will take an hour of my life to reinstall it. And I'm also using a backup, uh, backup service. So it is going to be just a minor inconvenience. Mm -hmm. If this were a production environment that requires me to do a lot of video editing, mm -hmm. it is going to be another problem. Yes. Because I need to take care of the data. But uh, when it comes to refurbished uh, equipment, a lot of people think they require new equipment, new... Latest gen or Latest something. gen, whatever. Yeah. But when they think about it, they basically just need a good backup service. Correct. And the uh, right backup strategy. Correct. And they can get away with a hardware that is going to be uh, a significant amount of money uh, cheaper than uh, the hardware they think they need. Exactly correct. So this is my closing point. Yeah, I agree. I would op I would uh, do exactly as you do, and I do that here as well. Uh, I'm in charge of a large part of the infrastructure for the mother company as well, and I have a solid backup strategy for that and uh, multiple, let's say, uh, RTO, RPO-based configurations for various types of services. We do backups on a daily basis and uh, some of them more frequent. We have transactional log backups from some of the databases, which take place every 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the service, etc. So it's exactly that, the right backup strategy for the right environment. For stuff that's production but doesn't need a backup, like our student environment, yeah, I don't care if everything breaks, I can redeploy that in an afternoon easily without any hassle. Because uh, all that I need there is to pull free virtual machines from the backup, which is something that I can do in half an hour. And then I need the images for the VMs, which I already have on storage device, and I have them on a disk. So I can just upload them, doesn't require all that much time. Yeah, you can do that in five, six hours. Students would complain, but still you could explain to them that something failed and everything would be okay. You just wouldn't want that to happen during the exam time, but yeah, it yes, hasn't. But, but it's, it's uh, just buying the right tool for the right environment and using the tool in such a way that you are actually maximizing the price performance. Exactly what we did when we switched from 40 to 5 servers. That was the calculation that I did. I was uh, calculating uh, the CPU performance and memory amount that we have of the old ones versus the new ones, taking into account the wattage of the PSUs of the power supplies because I can monitor all of that long term because we have the PDUs, etc. And came to a conclusion that I'm going to get 50% more performance for a 20% lower power envelope by switching from 40 to 5 servers, which is insane. But this, this actually means that uh, refurbished equipment is okay. It is. It needs to be used with correctly. Uh, uh, correctly. And at the same time, when it comes to corporate environment, it makes much, much less sense than it probably makes for the end user. So end users probably have, uh, I would say, pretty loose ideas of why do they need the uh, later generation of the mm -hmm. equipment. But also their requirements are so lower that they can get away with Anything. basically yeah. uh, something that I would call throwaway hardware. Yeah. Because we, are, we need to understand that hardware should be made to be throwaway. I, I'm not saying that you should throw away hardware, but I'm saying that you should 
create your own environment when you are doing with dealing with your own environment as a com uh, computer user mm -hmm. you should create the environment that you, uh, in which you don't care about the end device yeah it, which is easily replaceable which you don't care about the end device so mm -hmm. if your end device gets stolen broken uh, ran over or, or whatever you just uh, get another device and continue working there's another point to be made there as well if and you have to take this into account because we do have somewhat of a privileged situation in terms of hardware. So we always have to also discuss the fact that there are people out there who just cannot afford all of those things. So f for them, especially if they're looking for certain things of a computer, they cannot afford the new one to be bought because of the money uh, amount involved. Refurbished hardware may be almost always the way to go. But I would, I would just say one more thing. Uh, when it comes to this part of the, uh, of the problem. Uh, people tend to forget that they need to make the calculation that is usually done in the corporate environment. And this calculation means how much downtime can I afford? So basically, if you are buying a new computer and you're buying a new computer because you need to work for own whatever, you need to make a mental calculation or a paper calculation, Excel calculation, whatever, that says, how much time can I afford to not have access to my data and not to be able to work? Because this can show you that you don't need new computers. Maybe you, yes. need, you need two older laptops instead Correct. of one new. Exactly where, the, where I was going with this. And this is, this is something that people are not used to. We are used to doing this calculation. We are doing this calculation even when we don't need to because we are used to uh, thinking it's, about it. It's this. a firmer thing. Yes, it's a firmer, th firmer thing. We, we are just thinking about, okay, if I'm buying a laptop for my kid, he's going to lose it probably every couple of months. Do I need to buy him a, whatever uh, version of the laptop uh, is? How much time does he need to go, uh, uh, to go back online and to continue what he's working? Mm -hmm. And how much hassle... Is it worth to me? So, do I need to buy a new laptop? Do I need to so? So sometimes is uh, it, it used to be that you bought either a expensive laptop or a cheap laptop. Mm -hmm. Now I think that the choice is: Are you going to buy a new laptop or are you going to buy a refurbished one? Mm -hmm. And then when you're buying the refurbished one, which one? Yeah, because the refurbished ones can be so much faster than the cheaper ones. Uh, and they can be much more resilient than the cheaper ones. Agreed. Because well. if you buy this this laptop, this laptop is basically, I'm, I'm not going to talk about money, but let's say this is going to be probably half of the price of the cheap laptop right now in the market. Mm -hmm. quality, of, uh, quality of this laptop, quality of the materials, quality of everything else is such that uh, I broke the screen after I stepped on the laptop and I'm right now somewhere around 100 kilos. And I just broke the uh, yeah. very tip of the screen. Mm -hmm. If I stepped on a cheap laptop, I would probably go through the laptop itself. Yeah. So this is built like a tank. Mm -hmm. And this makes much more sense when you, even when you're buying it for a kid, because it's cheaper, much better built, uh, lighter. And basically it's what, uh, it's what, uh, typical kid in a, a school environment needs. Okay. So, so this is just uh, uh, all the points that I'm trying to make for the refurbished equipment. We haven't talked about the uh, environment impact and the green environment and the e ecology. And, uh, and I the, think it's things. very much obvious. Because the, this, is the, this is the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, don't uh, uh, throw away the equipment. Try to give that, uh, give it to someone who needs it, or recycle. Or recycle, but always try to recycle by giving it to someone who may maybe need it, because even when you're recycling and if your device is working, try to find somebody who needs the uh, equipment. God knows there are many people who would yes. accept them. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I haven't thrown away to recycle uh, any of the old computers that I have. I just recently gave away two uh, two older iPads to a couple of, let's say, a little bit older people who are retired, but they are enjoying them immensely. They were completely unusable to me, to your point. Yes. So re recycle, but recycle in a, a way that is smart. Yeah, responsible. Yes. Okay. 
very happy with that. Okay. With that being said, I've been veteran. I have. I am still Yasmin. Yes, and I will still continue being veteran. And yes, and we'll be seeing you in the next episode. And as we said at the, at the beginning, please subscribe, please click, and uh, thank you for being with us for such a long time. Yeah. See you next time. Thank you. Bye.